Hi everyone, Alex here with Raise the Roof. I am recording this the day after we just recorded our latest podcast, which you'll be listening to in just a second, but I'm recording this to report sad news to you guys, and I'm sure that a lot of people already saw it earlier today, but unfortunately, uh, we learned about the news of the passing of Raise Radio broadcaster Dave Wells. Uh, just, I mean, you can tell by the silence that I had right there and trying to figure out words to say. Just what he meant to the Rays community, what he meant to the baseball community, how many iconic moments that he was there for and you heard his voice for in Rays history. I mean, he and Andy Freed and everyone that's done broadcasting, whether it be radio or on TV, their their voices are synonymous with the Rays. And honestly, we don't know if it's going to be the same without him. And it's going to be really, really weird listening to the game today. It's going to be weird listening to the games all season without Dave being there. So it's just incredibly rough. Uh, We send prayers and we send uh, the best out to his family in this time of grieving uh, and sadness. And to the entire Rays community and the entire uh, Rays organization, we're just, we send all the love and graces that we can out to you guys. This is just absolutely terrible. I mean, you never want to see someone pass, especially someone as iconic as Dave. And we're going to miss him dearly, so... Again, we wanted to, unfortunately, we had to report that. It's just absolutely terrible. That's that's the only thing we can say is it's just absolutely terrible. So hopefully this podcast will bring a lot of excitement, a lot of happiness to a lot of you listening to it today. Uh, but again, Dave, we miss you. We love you. And we hope that you'll be looking down on the Rays, looking down on us for years and years to come. It's time to raise the roof for our latest spring training podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to this latest episode of Raise the Roof. Spring training has started. Games have started. Thank goodness, because this is the first podcast that we've done since games have started. And honestly speaking, we probably should have done way more than what we've had so far. But I'm glad that we're actually getting in some spring training podcasts with games going on. Uh, The Rays are no longer in Disney. They've now moved operations from Disney back to the Trop, as I'm sure that we've talked about before. So uh, we'll obviously talk about what happened when they were at Disney, talking about some things here and there. There's some other uh, unfortunate stuff that's happened with the Rays in terms of injuries. Uh, Obviously, we'll have to mention the Tyler Glasnow situation. I know that we don't want to, but we're going to have to regardless. Um, And then along with that, we'll get into some more exciting, happy news in terms of guys who have broken out so far in spring training. We're going to talk about the World Baseball Classic coming up with a bunch of raised players that are involved uh, and other things of that nature. Uh, We have a little bit of a different um, uh, group today. So me and Max uh, are going to be um, the co-host for the pod. Max, how are you doing? It's been a long time since you've been on. Yeah, man, it's great to be back. Yeah, um, really, really happy to have you back. And we also have on a special guest. Uh, if you guys don't know who this special guest is, then clearly you guys do not listen to Locked on Rays. And if you guys don't listen to Locked on Rays and all of the other podcasts within, you know, the Rays community, definitely do that because we're here to, um, you know, spread the love and spread, you know, the word about all the other podcasts as much as ours. But um, he's the current director, uh, sports director at Tampa Bay 10, Evan Klotsky. Uh, Evan, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, how are you guys? Uh, I, I appreciate you bringing me on. and. You know, it's it's very exciting. We're inching closer to March 30th, and, uh, you know, my number one sport's baseball. It's my favorite. So, uh, the, you know, once we get into the season, I'm kind of in my happy place. 
I 100% agree. I think, I mean, that's the only reason, you know, that's the reason why we do this is because we love the Rays and we love you know, covering baseball and we love seeing what's going on. And obviously with spring training going on, um, it's going to be a really, really fun time. It's going to be a really, really exciting time. And we're already experiencing that. Uh, but I wanted to, you know, before we get into, I guess, do we want to start off with talking about the bad news first and then getting to the good news or how do we want to do it? Yeah, let's get the bad news out of the way. Okay, sure. that, that's fine. So. Yeah. Uh, bad news. I'm sure you guys all heard about what happened with Tyler Glass. Now, unfortunately, Ray Starter just signed a um, an extension uh, recently to be with the Rays at least through um, the 2023-2024 seasons and possibly further on there. But he, if I'm not mistaken, he strained his oblique. Um, and as a result of that, he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. He'll be out basically until uh, April or so. I don't know ex- the exact timeline, but I, from what I saw, April is... Um, tentatively when he's going to be back. So luckily something like this happened early instead of it happening, uh, instead of it happening later in the season. So if the Rays are going to miss time with him, it's not going to be, you know, that much in terms of regular season time, but it is going to be definitely something, you know, that's of note. And it's not anything that, that people want to talk about, you know, and have to deal with, but Evan, I wanted to get your opinions on just the situation, what you, um, if you were there for when, stuff happened and kind of what you've heard from the team and maybe what you've heard from Tyler specifically in terms of, uh, you know, the timeline of the injury and what's expected from it. Yeah, honestly, uh, I don't even think really anybody was there at the complex that day when Glass now got hurt because uh, that was, that was either the first or the second day of spring training. They were on the road and Glass now was throwing a live BP back at Disney world. Um, and, you know, we thought that he was kind of lining himself up for maybe, uh, you know, this Saturday against the Yankees to possibly debut in spring training, hopefully aligning his schedule up with March 30th to probably be the opening day starter. Having said that, you know, obliques are tricky. Um, go, go look at um, Max Scherzer from last year with the Mets. Now he came back in six weeks with that injury, but it popped up again. He had to go back on the 15 day DL He made it back to the postseason. We all remember him getting bombed against the Padres. It really affected his second half of the year, and it it never was 100%. Uh, JT Chagua, um, he got injured in April of last year, like I think the first or second appearance he made in a game, and we didn't see him again until August because he had a setback. So they say six to eight weeks, which would put him towards the end of April, I would almost be inclined to have him really start ramping up around that end of April and and maybe we see him in May. I I just think with an oblique injury, you have to be so cautious and make sure that that injury is taken, taken care of because if he goes out there a little bit too early, you're not just losing him for six to eight weeks, you're losing him for two months, uh, for, for four months. So that's, you know, you have the ability to at least burn a month of time of preseason games. So there's, you know, no matter what, the Rays should not be out of it in May. You have you have the ability of time on your hand. Take care of it. And, uh, and you know, Tyler Glass now, he's frustrated. Um, he mentioned that and, uh, you know, said that he'll attack the rehab as hard as he can. You know, that's the tough part with, with Tyler is that he's so diligent with his rehab and his workouts and – sort of how he trains his body and he just simply cannot avoid these hiccups, you know, Tommy John's, whatever, everyone gets it. Um, 
you know, at, at this point in, in Major League Baseball outside of the, the lucky handful who don't. But, you know, the oblique and, and some other things that have crept up along the way, you know, are, are a big reason why Tyler Glass now is still get to pitch more than 90 innings in a, in a raised uniform. That's 100% true. Max, what were your thoughts about it when it happened? And just, I, I know that now this is a string of injuries now that Glass now has gone through, and it seems like we're getting to the point now where we're going to start really talking about the fact of him being injury prone or not. And he's only been with the team for a few years now, but it just seems like we're getting to that point. So I don't know what your, you know, what your thoughts and feelings are about these situation. Well, when I first read about it, uh, when I read six to eight weeks, obviously it sucks. He's one of my favorite players on the team. He's one of my favorite pitchers to watch. So not seeing him for almost a month of regular season time, it's going to suck. But uh, Evan mentioned it before, you're burning a month of preseason games during this injury. You're also burning a lot of April, where April for most teams is a complete crapshoot. And as long as you kind of tread above water or stay above water during April, you're going to be okay. And if Todd Glassdown comes back, let's say in May, if she's starting right up at the end of April, he'd be coming back in May. The Rays are going to be okay as long as they play their game and stay above water. That That is a good point. I completely agree with that. It's just... I think that the way that I'm kind of approaching it, you know, understanding both of these things, understanding the fact that, you know, this is going to be something that's going to affect the Rays early, earlier in the season, which is way more beneficial than later in the season because the Rays have already dealt with losing glass now later in the season. And that's been, you know, a whole lot to deal with in terms of trying to figure out what goes on with the rotation. And I think that the Rays are, you know, better equipped than most, if not every team in baseball when it comes to a a situation like this because they have a number of guys that they can plug in that are ready to go that can, you know, get into a starting spot if they need it. It's, I don't know. I'm just, I'm getting afraid to the point now where, you know, this has been more than, you know, a couple of times of a circumstance where we've seen these sort of headlines in the news of glass now being hurt, um, you know, for a longer period of time um, and it causing issues and, uh, you know, with the commitment, luckily the commitment that the Rays made to him financially was a short-term commitment, but it's still enough to where, you know, they're putting in the commitment and they want to keep him. So I'm just concerned along the fact of, you know, how healthy is he going to be coming back from that? Because Evan, you mentioned, you know, with Scherzer coming back, it's not always, you know, a set in stone thing that they're going to be successful coming off of an oblique. Yeah, and, 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 you know, let it be known that there are plenty of people who also come back from the oblique and they are fine. It, yeah. It's just you have to make sure that you handle it with care. And I wouldn't necessarily wonder about the the unknown of what happens when he returns. The key is to hopefully progress to the point where he is getting healthier and on the precipice of returning. And then from that point, let's see what he got. But, you know, he's, he's pretty much going to be sh- down for a little bit so there's really nothing we can do to analyze uh how he can protect himself or what he's looking like or so on and so forth it's more of just going to take time it's just going to be patience so he is you know an injury prone pitcher that's what he's been labeled as and until he kind of proves us that he can make it to 100 innings in a season, which he's only done once, which was the year that he was traded to the Rays, um, then that's it's tough to shake that. So, you know, and, and that's the difference between getting a long-term contract beyond the, the extension the Rays gave and, um, you know, getting like the Noah Syndergaard type deals where, you know, what, you know, what is Noah getting now? It's, it's one year, one year, show me, show me. I don't believe you can stay healthy long-term. So, 
you know, that's, um, but, but again, uh, you know, his mindset, his workout, uh, the way that he kind of is so diligent. I, I'm just hopeful that the bad luck will end at some point. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But that does bring up the question of who's going to replace him in the rotation. And there's a number of arms um, that are more than capable of doing so because the Rays already have, you know, four guys, uh, at least I would assume that would be starting out the year in the rotation. And now you have a fifth spot open. So, Max, I wanted to ask you, and then Evan, I also wanted to ask you, just who do you think would be the guy or guys that the Rays would use in order to plug that hole in the rotation for however long Glassnell is going to be out? That's probably Yanni and a combination of a few relievers if they want to have an opener for him. I mean, he started in the past and seems like they want to keep him around. So it's probably Yanni. Yeah. Evan, are you kind of feeling the same way about possibly having Chirinos in, um, you know, considering the fact that he, he has come back from major and he looked good at the end of last year. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a two horse race. I think it's between Yanni and Louis Patino. I, I think that is going to be a genuine spring training debate and if you know there are a lot of things with spring training where i'm a big proponent of never getting too high never getting too low but if you wanted to get the competitive spirits brewing a little bit keep an eye on chirinos and patino because whoever looks the best in spring training i think will make it out of camp as the fifth starter but as we know you know the rays are master manipulators and just because you start with the team doesn't mean you'll stay there and there will be a lot of fluidity but that, I mean, I would be shocked if it wasn't one of those two filling in for that spot as the Rays are determined to not move Patino into the pen and to a long relief, uh, long relief role. So, um, you know, I, I love what Yanni provided last year. Also a guy who, you know, has injury issues and, and certainly in the past missed a, missed a good chunk of time. But when, when, he's, on the, when he's on the bump, he is a uh, he is a scary fella. So, uh, yeah, that that would be my 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 guess is those two, and I, I'm comfortable with either or to be honest. Yeah, I I want to throw dark horse candidate in of Taj Bradley. I do. I would love to see him get some more time, and I know that he. I know Josh Donaldson decided to try to you know um, uh, end his spring with that comebacker today. Luckily, um, Taj didn't get you know it was just a deflection off of him and nothing more, but. Um, I mean, I mean, just seeing his stuff and seeing his stuff in the spring so far and seeing what he's been able to do in triple a. Um, and, and if I'm not mistaken, he did come up for like a cup of coffee with the Rays um, at some point last year, but um, I, yeah, just I don't think, I don't think he pitched. I don't think he pitched last year with, um, with the Rays. He was added to the 40 man roster in the off season. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of someone done. else. He he went to, well, he yeah, went to he, triple A and didn't play very well from what I remember. Exactly. Yeah. He dominated double A, was crushing it, then got called up to triple A. His first start was fantastic. Then everything else kind of wasn't great. So I, I, I'm a big I'm a big believer in Taj. I think he's probably more of a June, July guy. Um okay. or if if the team like for me, it's gonna be uh Yoni and uh, Louis Patino, and if more injuries happen, then you might see Taj step in. But those two are going to have their first chance to win that job and to stay at the major league level. If they don't produce and Taj is stepping up, Taj is going to earn his earn his spot as well. But um, I, I definitely think that I would like to see Taj have some consistent success in AAA first, mm-hmm. and I, I would like to see him back back down there with with uh, with Durham before okay. uh, getting get him out of the gates. 
that that who am I thinking of? There was a guy that came out of AAA that it, it wasn't Honeywell, but there was another guy last year who came up for like a cup of coffee, a few games, and then got sent back down. And I completely forget his name for whatever. Yeah, reason. there was the um, there was the the guy who ended up getting traded to to Washington. The Nationals. I, I swear, I was on the podcast right when it called got called up. I think I said, I think I reported it like on the podcast. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah. I'm like, uh, like it, it, it was Bradley or the other guy. I don't know why I'm forgetting him. The other guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll find out. He, he, I know he's definitely on the Nationals now. Yeah, um, I don't know why I completely forgot about this. This is 100% my fault. <laughs> now we're – oh, Tommy Romero. That's who God, that's yes, it. that's his name. Yep. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yep, I got them messed up. Yeah. My bad. That's that's yeah. who it was. They, right, didn't have any, they didn't have any 40 room left today. They yeah. got rid of them. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. I completely forgot about him. But, um, yeah, so I got the two messed up. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, seeing more uh, Taj in spring training and then seeing more of him in AAA I think is going to be advantageous. So, yeah, I think we're pretty much consensus on those on, on those guys being top two. I would just throw out the, um, you know, uh, the mystery dark horse third candidacy, which you guys would think. But uh, with that being said, let's go into more spring training stuff. So the Rays have played a few games now. We've seen them play both in Disney and – um, a game at the Trop. I know that they played today in Tampa uh, at Steinbrenner Field. They beat the Yankees in a football score, low low scoring football game, if you want to consider it that. Uh, but we saw a lot of good performances today. And we've seen some good performances so far early in the season. So I wanted to get um, Evan, starting with you, I wanted to get your impressions of some guys that um, you know, either minor league guys or just guys that they brought in minor league deals. Anyone that you think has performed so far um, uh, early on in spring training? Uh, I, you know, I, I like what I'm seeing from Josh Lowe. He's not crushing the, the cover off the ball completely. You know, like if you look at his stats, it's not like, oh, my God. But um, I, I think his swings look so much better. The contact has looked a, a lot louder or has hurt, uh, you know, it, it seems like it's a lot louder. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know exit velocities in spring training, but <clears throat> I would say Josh Lowe off the top of my uh, top of my head is a guy who I'm happy to see looks a little bit more comfortable after a really tumultuous 2022, where we thought he was going to be the guy that fills in for Austin Meadows and ended up having to be sent down. And they kind of gave up on him for 2022 and wanted to just reshuffle the deck and try again this year. Um, a guy who, I don't know if he'll be up this year, maybe towards the end of the year, if he can get cooking in AAA. But a guy that I really love is Oslavis Basabe. Now, this is a guy who was put on the 40-man roster in the offseason. Now, we've talk, like I just mentioned it with Tommy Romero. If there was any team that was hurting and had tons of, uh, of guys who were certainly worthy of being on the 40-man and having to be let go by the Rays in some way or fashion, you know, they – they had a lot of tough calls to make, but they decided to keep Basabe. I believe he was part of the Nathaniel Lowe deal. Speaking of Josh Lowe, that's a coincidence. And uh, he really torched minor league pitching last year. Coming up in early in spring training, he's torched the baseball as well. So not a guy that I'm necessarily saying, oh, he's going to be there opening day. But he's a guy that I want you to keep tabs of. Not necessarily a top 100 prospect type of dude, but uh, like a Jonathan Aranda type where it's like, I don't know. I don't understand. The guy hits every level. He's just hitting. So I got to see what he can do. 
And then, uh, you know, Aranda's actually done some nice things. Tristan Gray, who is kind of like, um, kind of like uh, a Brandon Lau type of dude in the minors, only with less contact, has had, you know, some success as well. Luke Raley, um, he's fighting his, his butt off to make this team because he, there's a good chance that he's potentially cut or traded for some, you know, it, in a, in a meaningless type deal, but you know, he's, he's fighting to be sort of that lefty option at first base. And, uh, and I, and I thought he's done some good things. Um, but yeah, I mean, we haven't seen the starters too much for me to be overly excited. Um, and I would say just as a whole, I think you have to be happy with the hitting because I mean, I don't know. We watch this team how many times last year uh, and like they couldn't, they couldn't scratch across one or two runs at points. And then if I remember off the top of my head, I think they have like four games already where they've scored uh, three or four games where they scored double digit runs. They've scored six and six and seven. So they're, 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 they're scoring some runs. I like seeing that from a team that could not do anything last year, offensively speaking. And they're also putting the ball over the fence, which is, which is nice to see as well. Mm-hmm. And then for pitching, pitching, I don't really have too much. I think um, we haven't really seen too many of the relievers. I haven't been overly impressed with Kevin Kelly, who was a guy they, they brought in who um, was a rule five pick. But he's somebody. They, he's somebody that they believe in for the for a bullpen role. Uh, the starters uh, outside of Drew had easy breezy outings, and even I mean, factor in Louie and, and Yanni. They both um, also had great showings. So we're getting pretty much what we want from the arms. I, I need a little bit more of a sample size when it comes to pitching versus hitting, where at least you can get uh, you know. 12 13 at bats to talk about which is nothing in the grand scheme of things but at least that's four games where i get a look at you mm-hmm. uh max i wanted to get your opinion about guys i know um you know i guess recency bias i'm sure the person that a lot of race fans are going to be talking about is curtis mead who decided to i absolutely- love curtis mead by the way i think he'll <laughs> so i think good. he'll be with the team opening day so absolute moonshot today he hit off the batter's eye in center field at, at steinbrenner i think he hit it like 440 um, you know, him and, you know, obviously all of the guys that Evan mentioned, there's a bunch of other guys that are in the minors who are getting, you know, their, their looks, uh, from fans and from coaches, but, um, who has really stood out to you? Maybe guys that, that Evan's mentioned or, or other guys that we haven't talked about yet. He mentioned those Libas Basabe. Um, I think after today, he has something like a two OPS right now during spring training, like a two dot OPS, which is nutty. And, uh, I think if he continues his hitting into AAA, because he's going to go to AAA sometimes this season if he keeps hitting, you're going to have some of these guys like if uh, Taylor Walls and some of these other in, middle infielder guys, Bedell Bruhan, continue not to kind of improve their hitting, and as Levis Basabe is down in AAA hitting like an 800 or 900 OPS, they better watch themselves because if they can't hit, the Rays are probably going to have to do something about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, that's and Taylor, Taylor Walls is another guy who, you know, we didn't talk about with injuries, but he's also kind of dealing with some of the thing that with glass now. And, you know, that, that's that's a tough draw for a guy who has to prove that he can that he can hit. We know he can field. Yep. You got to show us that he can hit. Yeah, that's a yeah. good point for sure. 
Max, is there anyone else that you wanted to talk? I mean, we can get into more of a conversation talking about, um, you know, whether we think that guys like Walls or Bruhan are going to, like, you know, what their timetable is going to be like on the team. Because I, I mean, I don't want to say it's going to happen, but I think that there is a possibility that they could be used as trade um, as trade capital with the guys that the race have coming up right now. Uh, just seeing what the team has been able to do and the other guys that they brought up and seeing that, especially offensively, both Walls and Bruhan really haven't produced. I'm curious to see how they're going to be utilized uh, moving forward. Well, you say that. I think the Rays, uh, unless they trade one of those guys, which I think everybody, with, with the exception of a few, is always on the trade block just because that's how they operate. I think there really is only one bat position that is currently sort of in flux right now. And I think it's the other lefty bat. And I th- think Evan uh, was mentioning this before. I think it's between right now it's Jonathan Aranda and Luke Rayleigh. And with the way, the way Luke Rayleigh has kind of hit the, I don't want to say hit the cover off the ball because he, he hit like one or two homers, he's hitting better than he did last season. So with Aranda still having, Aranda still having options, it seems like, the more logical position from a, just a roster standpoint would just to keep, be keeping Luke Rayleigh and just have a Ronda down Triple H just for depth purposes. But if we're talking about a true t- competition, it's between Rayleigh and Ronda right now for that final lefty spot. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I think Ben was the one who um, Ben Whitelaw of uh, RBLR Sports, um, you know, coined the phrase Nuke Rayleigh. Uh, I think it's an accurate statement as of as of things that have happened so far early in spring training. And I think it's, um, you know, I, I think that it was as a joke, but I also think that it's now being taken way more seriously just because of, you know, what he's been able to do early on in spring training. And I really am curious to see what happens with him. I don't know what's going to happen. I think that there are guys that they have right now who are um, – you know, who are more than capable of being able to be good bench pieces. I just, I'm curious to see who they will pick. And I I, I think it's a good battle. Um, you know, it's going to be a good battle to see who gets in. And I think it'll allow for more offensive flexibility because if, if maybe these guys don't work, um, you know, from spring training getting on the opening day roster, then the Rays know that these guys can come up and produce moving forward. So I, I think that that makes, you know, some some interesting battles and some interesting um, things that people can watch uh, continuing on. I did want to talk quickly about just the fact of this being such a weird spring training for the Rays due to the hurricane forcing them out of Port Charlotte, them having to utilize both e, uh, the ESPN Wild World of Sports at, um, you know, the Walt Disney World Resort in uh, Lake Buena Vista and then having to go uh, back to the trop and are going to be continuing all of their operations there for the rest of the year. It creates just a very, very weird thing that not a lot of people, I mean, I don't even know the last time that something like this has happened, but uh, Evan, I know that you were in, um, you were at Disney. I'm sure that you also went to the trop um, and, and I've seen not only workouts, but I'm sure that you were at the first game. And if not the first game, then I'm sure you'll be at plenty of, of other games, you know, coming up, but what has it been like? How do you think that, or how well do you think that the race have embraced just the weirdness and the uniqueness of what's going on right now in spring training? Yeah, I haven't been to the trop yet. I, the The first game of the trop, actually, our, our weekend guy, David Shealy, he was there and I was, I was back at the, the behind the anchoring desk, but uh, listening to the guys, uh, first off, 
I think there are generally, look, I, I say this with the addendum, they wish they were in Port Charlotte. You know, the, our, our thoughts are with Port Charlotte. They're committed to being back in Port Charlotte. So that that's just a crappy situation. Having said that, I think they're not complaining about being in their beds, their, you know, where they're going to live all year uh, a month earlier, that they're not pretty much living in camp for an extra four weeks. So I know that Kevin Cash mentioned, you know, spring training sometimes gets a little bit boring and you're trying to find different motivational tactics to keep you chugging along because, I mean, six weeks is a lot to go through a bunch of practice. But making the switch two two weeks after the start kind of gives you a new scenery. The other big thing, which is important, is that Tropicana Field is a, we'll say, a unique ballpark in, in major league baseball it does not play like any other ballpark in major league baseball especially for fielders trying to navigate the ball when it's in the air and stuck under the cloudy tropicana dome uh, i'll tell you this that i played a media game last year and when that ball goes up locating the ball is very hard it gave me a totally different perspective of how good Kevin Kiermaier was, how good Jose Siri is, uh, you know, KK still is, it's just on a different team. But I think that being able to bring your players into the trop to get acclimated to that environment is a huge win only because there are certain elements that, especially those younger players, you can't replicate in Port Charlotte. You can't replicate that in Durham, you know, in, uh, in Charleston and Montgomery, you can't do that. So having them play a month in the trop, I think is something that the team is seeing as a win, just, you know, to get them a little bit more acclimated. Uh, Beyond that, beyond the fact that there's going to be 2,000, 3,000 in a major league baseball stadium, which, you know, on some nights is only 5,000 less than what they normally get. You know, I, I think that, that it's all systems are a go. I think it's status quo. And there probably are a bit more positives to take away from this experience than inconveniences. I think it's more of an inconvenience for the people who need to plan it, make sure that there's room for everybody, make sure that there's a locker for everybody, make sure, you know, the, the equipment, so on and so forth, and housing these guys in the area for a month. That's a logistical nightmare, but I don't think that's a burden for the players. I think that's a burden behind the scenes, which they've sorted through. So it's cool. I like it. I mean, and, and also if you, you love the Rays and you're, you're in Tampa St. Pete, I mean, you don't have to travel to Port Charlotte. You can have them right down the road, which I think, you know, that's a huge benefit for your fan base to be so close to them and, uh, and to see them for a game and to, to get a look at them. Uh, so that's uh that that's also a bonus for the fan base but yeah i i think overall from what i heard from the players in kevin cash nobody um nobody was really making too many complaints Mm -hmm. max have you gotten to any spring training games whether that be at the trop whether that be in disney or whether that be any of the road games that they've been to i went to dunneen the other day um no but i i am going to eventually go to one game at the trop I, i think probably next week but Evan, you mentioned how hard it is to track balls at Tropicana Field. You talk about hitting balls at Tropicana Field. Mm-hmm. That was half the reason Willie Adamas couldn't play 
Yeah. So now you're you're going to be seeing some of these guys who maybe don't will never get the chance to play at the trap like on a regular basis. They're going to have to try to hit the ball at the trap. Yep. Good point. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole thing with the Willie Adonis trade is right. Everyone slams the Rays for that Willie Adonis trade, but they don't understand. He could not see the ball in the trap. You can't have a player who for 81 games can't see the ball at his home field. So they were kind of stuck on that one. It it just it just ultimately stinks that, that the second piece of that trade is now pretty much gone because Fire Rising can couldn't really stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do with that? It's 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 unfortunate, but I think that I mean, hopefully there's still positives with the fact that uh Drew's still on the team and he's gonna be a starter for this year. So I think that's good. Uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break. We'll talk a little bit more about spring training and then we'll talk some world baseball classic and anything else going on with the raising with baseball. Quick break. We'll be right back on this latest episode of Razor Bird. Hi, everyone. Alex here with a quick word from our newest sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek is your one-stop shop for tickets for everything from live theater and concerts to sporting events like Rays games. SeatGeek uses a color-coded scale to show you where the best deals are, with green being good and red being bad. If you haven't used SeatGeek before, we have a special deal just for you. Use code RAISETHEROOF, that's RAISE spelled R-A-Y-S, at checkout for $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. Again, that's code RAISETHEROOF for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Thanks so much to SeatGeek for sponsoring us, and let's get back to this latest episode of Raise the Roof. And we're back on this latest episode of Raise the Roof. So, I said that we were going to talk a little bit more about spring training. Um, I did want to talk about how they're planning on doing ticketing and how they're planning on, uh, I guess, dispersing people, because it seems like at least from the first game, there was no one in the outfield. So I, I think from what I heard, it was going to be from bullpen to bullpen. I don't yeah. know what that is. Um, uh, Evan, yep. you guys can correct me on that if I'm wrong. Yeah, that, that, that's it. It's a uh, bullpen to bullpen. And uh I think tickets are ranging from like $10 up to 30 or 50. I'm not sure, but it's like $10 if you want to sit down by the bullpens. That's not bad. Um, is it's that, not I, bad I, at I all. Um, do you, do you have any more information in regards to that? Um, I don't know if they're going to be expanding stuff later or whatever it might be. Uh, I, I mean, I tried looking at games next week and it seems like it, it it's just going to stay bullpen to bullpen for now. I'm, I'm not sure about the uh, games in like a few weeks or something, but next week it's yeah. going to be bullpen to bullpen. Yeah, I don't envision them kind of breaking from that formula. Sometimes there's um, the, like, I, forget, I think home, the home opener is on a Thursday, but sometimes, so like that Monday, that Monday game when it's supposed to, truly be the exhibition game. You know how some teams go play in a major league ballpark. They kind of move away from their facilities and rotate with a different team and play at home. So there might be one or two games at the end of the, the spring training season that might, they might try to open up. But I mean, to be honest, I don't, I don't think the Rays are going to be, you know, fighting for people to like, go sit in the outfield. You know, they'll, everyone go jam pack it into the, you know, the seats that, that some people don't often sit in. So mm -hmm. uh, unless they have like a, a party pass package when they wanted to open up that stuff. But I I envision it'll be bullpen to bullpen. All right. I mean, I'm fine with that. I, I just wish that they would have people in the outfield because it's going to be weird. Like, I, I think one of the biggest things about spring training, especially for places that have um, 
what's it called that have berm seating or things like that is people love going in the outfield and shagging, you know, during BP. So I don't even know if that is a thing, if fans are allowed to go in the outfield and then they have to be wrangled back in, but it kind of sucks if that's not going to be the case that people won't be allowed to do BP at all. Yeah. The, the bigger problem is if you want that to happen, you have to staff it. So, you know, the fact is the race have to staff the trot now through the, you know, spring, spring training. And these springs training sites rarely have people in the outfield. I mean, you know, you look at Boston and what they have in Fort Myers. Yeah, they have people on the top of the their version of the monster. But, you know, and, and there are those, you know, even in Port Charlotte, there's that little hangout area in right field. So they have little tiny areas, but the stadiums are so small. You're already s- smaller staff. The trop is so big. You have to you have to spend a certain amount of money to make sure that you're properly staffed in those areas, and then to do the whole stadium when there's only two or three thousand people coming, that's just a, a huge net loss, you know, fiscally speaking. So, uh, I I don't know if you can trickle out there. I would assume my my guess would be why not. I mean. If people want to trickle out there, but uh, you know that it is interesting that nobody. I would figure that somebody would trickle out there if that was a possibility, and I haven't really seen that, so it must be blocked off. You yeah, said staffing. They don't, they don't even want to staff the three hundred levels during the regular season. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, none of that's fun, but you know, all that stuff is things that, uh, like, you know, understanding that now it makes a lot more sense. It's just. I, I thought that that might happen. I thought that they would at least try to staff the entire first level. If they don't want to do the second level, that's fine. But definitely I thought the first level was going to be there. But I also understand that not a lot of people are going to go to games anyways, especially games during the week. Uh, yeah. At 1 o'clock? Yeah. yeah, no. I mean, on They're the weekends, I'm sure you'll get way more and maybe they'll increase capacity to allow that to happen. But on midweek games, I mean, you know, good luck. And any business, we, you know, that's just not going to happen. So, yeah. I'm interested to see what uh, Sunday, what tomorrow's crowd brings. So, you know, yeah, I think that'll be the be, first. I think it could definitely be interesting. I think you know, I I think it'd be cool to see with a major league ballpark if they can get more people. I hope that they will, um, and I, I hope that that means that they'll get people that aren't just, um, you know, like you know, not just race fans. You'll just get spring training fans wanting to go to games. I understand it's not the spring training environment that people want, but. I mean, what are you yeah, going to do? I mean, that's, that, that's where it kind of hurts. I mean, you know, the whole point of spring training is to be outside and to watch your team in our beautiful weather, right? The trop is built. You, you think of the trop, you think of the summer and, and downpouring and humidity. And right now is the time that people want to be outside. So that's, you're kind of fighting the elements in that regard. Yeah, it's beautiful right now. I was in Dunning the other day and I was, it was yeah. right in the sun, but it was. It's a beautiful ballpark nice. there. Yep, it's I really love, nice over there. Yeah, yeah, I like I, I like what they've been able to do. I I visited last year when I went down, um, and I, I I liked having the, uh, you know, just the updates that they did, and the fact that you can actually go in the outfield now just makes the entire experience so much better there. So yep. I think they've done a good job. Uh, so I think from that we'll transition into talking about the World Baseball Classic. So if you guys don't know, which means that you live under a rock because clearly you don't care enough about baseball. The World Baseball Classic is starting up, I believe, on March 7th, if I'm not mistaken, but it's starting up next week. 
It's um, happening for the first time since 2017, which the U.S. won for the first time in 2017, I believe. So what is it? Six, nine, 13, 17. So there have only been four editions so far, the World Baseball Classic. This is now the fifth one. There are uh, there's plenty of raised representation all up and down the, you know, the World Baseball Classic. You have Jason Adam, who's going to be on Team USA. You have three guys uh, from the race who are going to be on Team Mexico. That includes Randy Rosarena. I believe Isak Paredes and um, Jonathan Miranda. Uh, and then from there, I'm just going through because some of the guys I know offhand and the other ones I don't. Uh, you have Christian Bethencourt, who's going to be on Team Panama. You have Trevor Bridgeton, who will be on Team Canada. Wander Franco, who will probably be starting at shortstop for the Dominican Republic. Who knows? Uh, Andrew Gross, who's going to be on Team Israel. Joe Lasorsa, who will be on Team Italy. Uh, Francisco Mejia will also be on the Dominican Republic, so watch out for that. Harold Ramirez will be on Team Colombia, and Graham Spraker will be on Team Great Britain. So plenty of raised representation, minor leagues and major leagues, when it comes to the World Baseball Classic. It's I, I believe that there's 12 guys. There's eight guys that are ma- that have um, that are on the major league roster and or just guys that played last year, and that's one of the most among all teams in Major League Baseball. So that's really cool to see. And you guys already saw it last year with the representation of the Rays that there were plenty of guys that, you know, plenty. there's plenty of global representation with the Rays, which is awesome. Uh, but I don't know who, who who either of you guys are excited to see. I don't know what teams you're excited to see. I don't know if you're going to go to games. I don't know how much you're going to watch it. But, uh, Evan, starting with you, um, I guess, what's your experience or what are you planning on doing when it comes to uh, what the World Baseball Classic is going to offer? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we're going to be pretty busy here locally. You know, uh, think about the the March Madness tournament, the Valspar Championship, um, uh, the the Bolts Hall of Fame is in a couple of weeks. So uh, we certainly uh, the free agency begins in a couple of weeks in the NFL. So you know, the 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 tough part about my gig sometimes is balancing all the plates on the on the 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 stick, but. I will certainly be watching the games, um, you know, especially the ones that have the Rays in them, you know, because Jason Adams for Team USA, at least that one's spoken for. But, you know, for sure, I want to see Team Mexico. I want to see the DR. The DR is stacked. Like, just that team is incredible on paper. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I'm also hoping that the players keep – the pace of play element in the world baseball classic, even though it's not going to be mandated because I would really, it would really suck to see people backsliding into bad habits. And I say bad habits in quotes only because it's going to be a violation once March 30th hits. It's so important right now to get those habits under control and make sure that you are pitching when you're supposed to and in the box when you're supposed to, um, you know, obviously the pickoff things are a little bit different, but I, I'm going to be excited to see how these guys are playing in competitive baseball games. You know, it's very tough to really take things seriously in spring training, but these are games that we can put in a, in a, in a little box and say, this is as close to the real thing as you're going to get, which is tough to find in spring training. That is true. That is true. Max, how excited are you about the World Baseball Classic? What are you looking forward to? Players, teams, matchups, whatever. Well, uh, I've never been an active fan for one of these, actually, so it's going to be kind of fun to 
watch for the first time. I think we, we missed one thing. Rodney Linares is going to be the manager for the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just want to watch it. I've never watched something like this before. Um, the Dominican Republic looks unbeatable. <laughs> so it's going to be fun to see if anybody can go up it's, against them. Yeah, that's cool. It's a sick roster. I'm looking at this also a uh, dear Castillo's on there. Um, Dustin Cruz, a couple of the former race, but yeah, I'm just looking at it for the first time. It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny when you look at it because I think in the when you compare the other World Baseball Classics to this one, this seems like the first one that players have cared about because you saw guys in the 2017 one that that played for their teams, but it seems like, especially with Team USA there was a much bigger emphasis of trying to get guys for Team USA because Trout's playing for Team USA. Uh, Mookie Betts is playing for Team USA. You have some of the best players in baseball playing for not only for Team USA, but you have guys playing for teams just everywhere. It did seem like that wasn't necessarily the case with the pitching, especially for Team USA. Yeah, you know, I mean, mean, look – you know, Mike Trout, to, to be fair, this is the only chance he has to chase something because he's on that damn Angels team, which is, you know, it's a, an atrocity to baseball that we have tucked Mike Trout onto a team that can't make the playoffs. Um, but, you know, there there is some fantastic talent. Uh, you know, a couple of Tampa guys, Pete Alonzo and Kyle Tucker will be represented uh on the team usa roster which is pretty cool a couple of plant high school products so uh yeah i mean there's a usa is i don't think the favorite but there's still i mean there's a lot to like with that and i am curious personally to see how jason adam looks because you understand relievers are a one year you can be lights out the next year it nothing's working um and I just am curious if Jason Adam is still that dude, because last year he came in and it was just like I the the utmost confidence every time he stepped on the mound. Like you just knew he was going to shut it down. Uh, pretty much what like Kittredge did the year before, right? And I just am curious to know if he's really found something or is it going to be one of those up and down years? That's a that is a very good point. Also, I think it is worth mentioning since the World Cup did just happen, uh, and and Great Britain, you know, you know, England tried to proclaim that that football is coming home when they drew the U.S. and then didn't even win. Now the U.S. is probably going to beat the stuffing out of them in baseball. So I forget when that game is, but if you guys want to watch Team USA just absolutely destroy Great Britain in something, <laughs> watch that game. <laughs> uh, that'll be fun. Um, I mean, you, not just that, but I think that there's like I think and, and you see this with a lot of international countries. And I think there's a lot of cool things happening this year. So like Tommy Edmund playing for Team Korea, Lars Nupar being the first person not born in native Japan to play for Samurai Japan. Shohei playing for Japan, coming back and playing for Japan, which is awesome. Um, I mean, guys like Wander, guys like Jose Ramirez, um, I believe uh, Lindor's in it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think so, yeah. You know, just, just massive, massive players playing for not just Team U- you know, Team USA, not just the Dominican Republic, but you everywhere. It's just that's just how it is. And and I think that hopefully that'll create a good sign moving forward of guys 
you know, this wanting to be things that guys do because kind of like, you know, the home run derby has kind of turned into the dunk contest to an extent where like guys really don't want to do it. And I'm hoping that guys will start to want to do it moving forward. I feel like now with the world baseball classic being a thing that um, what's it called being a thing that guys are wanting to do this year. Hopefully that'll turn into something that guys continue to want to do and they'll put emphasis on it. Um, and hopefully that's a good thing moving forward. But I did, uh, you know, after with this really being the end uh, of the World Baseball Classic talk, at least for us, I wanted to go back to something that Evan mentioned and something that we didn't talk about because spring training games hadn't, hadn't started yet, which was the pitch clock really causing a lot of changes with baseball because games we've already seen the average amount, you know, the average time for games decreasing significantly from last year, like a 20 to 30 minute difference. It is just, it, it is night and day The you know, the differences between the two uh, from last year to this year. And it just makes, it, it's really made things into just a different atmosphere in terms of, watching guys, you know, watching violations between hitters and pitchers and, and how things are going. And now teams are trying to utilize new ways to use the shift because the shift is also a new thing. And we saw uh, people against Joey Gallo. Now there's a two outfield thing where the other outfielder turns into what the, uh, I don't know if it's a second baseman or whatever guy was in short, left, uh, short, short right field. Now that's a thing. So we're going to see guys, you know, teams try to break the mold of what the shift was and trying to break into the new shift. It's, is a whole bunch of stuff that's going on, but I wanted to specifically talk about the pitch clock and then we can go into the shift. Cause I don't really think that's going to make that much of a difference. Um, you know, it, it'll make differences here and there, but not as much as the pitch clock. So Max, how are you feeling about what the pitch clock has done with baseball, especially in spring training? Well, personally, I, I remember when it was announced and I was a big proponent of it. I think it's great, especially with what's happening right now. And it's funny to see, I'm glad that a lot of players are getting used to it in spring training. Like you're seeing a lot of these weird violations like uh, Max Scherzer threw uh, I got a double play the other day and I got negated because of a pitch clock violation. And it just seems like it's to the point where it's cutting down on game time so much and 90 ish percent of the time I, that's a, I just pulled that out of nowhere. I, I could be wrong. Most of the time <laughs> it's not really causing any issues with uh, players getting violations or anything. It just seems like at this point, just, pitch the ball just stop scratching yourself and pitch the ball and you won't get a strike call you know what i mean it's it's speeding yeah. up games i think it's going to make um i don't know if it's going to make more people watch the games but it's just going to make like a especially i know they're cutting down on the whole west coast game thing because of the the way the schedule's going but you're not going to be staying up nearly as late as night if we're watching the seattle mariners like the rays <laughs> at seattle mariners you're only going to be staying up for as long as you know the pitch clock is there so you're not staying up as late i guess yeah and and, and i'll i'll even take it a step further I, I actually don't think the pitch clock is that big of a deal um i i actually think that the shift will be more of a big deal when it's all said and done because while i think we're seeing a lot of pitch clock violations now because it's so new and and pitchers are also trying a bunch of things i mean you know, listen to Shane McClanahan after his first start, you know, a lot of pitchers are actually throwing very early in the pitch clock because they're so worried about it. And then he realized, like, I have so much time. Why am I rushing? And then he settled in and, you know, he, he had a violation for not getting his warm-ups done in time. 
all this stuff is going to be flushed out by May. Like, I think it might trickle into the season maybe in April. But, you know, like when pitchers go a little bit longer in games and are tired, they might not be as focused on it. Once we get into May, it's going to be second nature. We're never going to, like, think twice about it. And, like, by the end of the year, we're going to, like, watch, like, old school baseball games and be like, oh, my God. Like, (laughs) how on earth did we ever let this happen where – hi, Shay. How do we ever let this happen where we let pitchers just, like, you know, David Wells it with their their cup and just take, you know, a million years. So – this is all good for the game. They need to speed up the pace. And, you know, that's why, like, I, I was kind of a proponent of the the runner going on second in extra innings after, you know, I, I preferred it after 12. Now I kind of prefer it after 10 innings. But after kind of going through it, I'm kind of okay with it because when you have 162 games in the year, I don't need games going four hours. I just don't. Yeah. You know, in the playoffs, leave it be. You know, to me, leave it be. But for the regular season, you need to entice. Like in times now where kids have TikTok and streaming and uh, like just so many distractions around them, you have to move at a faster pace. And that's something that hockey does. That's something the NBA does. Football is in a stratosphere of its own that no one can touch because it's once a week. Um, and baseball trying to move at an NFL pace for 162 games is just, it just does not make sense. So I understand there are purists out there um, with you. I love this game, but I'm also a very big proponent of just because it's been done that way doesn't mean that's the right way to do it. And I think we're analyzing some things in baseball. We're going to improve the sport in a lot of ways. And I think eliminating the shift is something I'm a fan of. I'm also a believer that you should be able to hit out of shifts and they won't shift on you. But having said that, you know, I do understand that the enjoyment of the game has gotten ruined a bit. And, you know, the Rays were a big proponent of finding legal ways to find advantages. Good on them. That's how they are so successful as an organization. And I still think that they're finding advantages. When you look at their draft, notice the players that they draft. Last, uh, you know, this past year, the year before, these are guys who are fast and have positional flexibility. Now, why did they do that? They are ahead of the curve on what the rules were when they're coming. So while organizations are going to figure out things that are happening with the pace of play, with the speed of the game, with the ability to have players who can range into the hole a lot more, the Rays are already two or three years ahead of teams because they've been preparing for that with some of their players. You know, like uh, one of their first guys is Greg Jones, who I don't know if he's going to be a thing, but that's sort of the type of player they're looking at. And people like Vidal Brujan, who can go in the outfield, push him up a little bit, and play as a shift second baseman, even though you don't have to actually be a second baseman and you can't switch positions now either in in the middle of innings. So to have someone at the beginning of the inning, you throw out there in the outfield and maybe the next inning you put back on the infield to do that and be flexible. That's where the Rays have their advantage. Now, I think maybe not this year, you'll see it, 
But I think in the next two years, three years, you'll really see them have a bunch of toolsy players that will make them dynamic defensively. And that's why having a guy like Jose Siri is important to command center. That's why you have a guy like Wander who you believe – I mean, Wander's just a, a freak athlete. But even a guy like Walls who can be so defensively minded uh, to, to patrol a, a large group of space. Um, how teams are able to stymie hitters who are so stuck on pulling the ball like a Brandon Lau, like an Austin Meadows, you know, those type of players, that's going to be the next case to crack. And I think the Rays are – trying to figure out how to crack that case uh, to not allow some of these pull hitters to, to be so successful. But it is going to be nice to see some lefties find some success in the hole, even though, as I said from the very beginning, I am also a strong believer in learning how to hit out of that situation. <laughs> like just if you hit it the other way, they won't shift on you. If you want to be a pull hitter, then I don't know what to tell you. Like that. That's not, that's on you at some point. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I think that that brings up a good point about. Um, I I think that just the the uh, the jawing nature of the fact that games are being cut so significantly, I think, is really causing things to be a thing now. And I think even for, for sure. me, like you know, I'm not even you know, I, I didn't even realize until I saw just the game times across the board being so. Um, you know, being so much uh, quicker than than what they had been before. I mean, you realize how slow guys worked. And, like, it, it's funny watching what, you know, Luis Garcia's new uh, new windup is compared to what it was yeah. before. I mean, it's incredible the amount of changes that are happening. But I do think that it's going to be funny with the shift because, I mean, as we've seen with teams have already cracked the shift with Gallo. Like, they're just like, you know what? He's just not going to hit it to left field at all. So we're just not going to have a left fielder. Who cares? Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's interesting to kind of see that guys are starting to break the mold there in a way that, um, you know, knowing how good the shift and how effective the shift has been, it's I I feel like it's going to force more hitters to be like if these you know if they're literally taking a fielder from a position in the outfield and just not having a fielder there, like why don't I just try to spray balls to left field more? And I I really do wonder if um, the new shift is going to cause a lot of players to you know, try to become more hitting to all fields, knowing that players are going to, uh, or sorry, teams are going to try to re-exploit stuff to what it was before, because there are, you know, things in place, but those things can always be exploited as we've already seen within a couple of games in spring training. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. It is. I think think, uh, there's going to be a cost benefit analysis between you know, if I get burned five or six times moving my outfielders and the opposing team gets a triple out of it or an inside the park home run, is that worth it to lose those six runs for me to get 50, 60, 70, 80 more outs by doing the shift, right? So, and again, if they're shifting, I believe it's on the hitters to realize that, hey, if I just poke it the other way, that's an auto triple. You know, that's like you, you're giving me three bases. You have to be able, you're a major league hitter. You're supposed to be the best hitter in the entire world or one of the best hitters in the entire, in the entire world. 
learn how to poke it the other way. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. And if you can't, you should be extinguished from the game because you, you're like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're just going to be extinct because you, you can't, you can't adjust to the game. Like, like if you, you're going to have to either bop 45 home runs or you're going to be worthless. It just, you know, if you want, if you want to be the most successful version of yourself as a baseball player, then take, if you hit the triples, that will increase your slugging. That will increase your value to another team. Like it's that simple, but to just go up there and say, I'm going to just try to bop home runs and strike out. Like for me, I know that it has extreme value in baseball. It will still have value this season. It will probably have value for a handful of more years, but um, I, I just have a tough time believing that that's the way the game is always going to be. I just, things ebbs and ebb and flow and with the shift now being taken away i think there's more of an element to try to be a hitter again versus just trying to hit over the shift out of the ballpark or just strike out right like i mean for some players it was either like i don't need you to ground out to second or i don't need you to ground out into the shift i'd rather you just go for home runs versus just getting that out like if you can adjust your swing to hit home runs go do it now that there's no shift or now that things are gonna get wonky you might see uh, hitting instructors try to incorporate hitting the opposite way and trying to trying to get these guys to take advantage because now the cost and the cost benefit analysis of getting a single versus getting a triple increases things because now that like if you can get on third with zero or one out uh, on a on a shift like that well now the odds of us getting a run go through the roof um, versus you being stuck on first which is most likely a slow runner and getting around the bag. So, you know, those are the new analytical things that we have to figure out in baseball and that, you know, it's going to be the wild, wild west of information. It's totally new information. Now the, the slate is wiped clean. It's fun though. I, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm down for it. <laughs> Evan, you brought up that whole extinguish from the league. I had that thinking even when the shift was legal, I, it just pissed yeah. me off. Anytime I hear somebody trying to say, well, I can't hit the, figure it out figure there's it a guy out. there's Look, straight up there's like there's a hole in the infield hit it through that now they don't have an excuse at all <laughs> now they have no excuse yeah. <laughs> you and, just gotta do it thing. i and, like I, I i certainly sympathize with like i mean the enjoyment and entertainment of the game and that yeah. aspect i understand i just also understand the fact that like i'm not gonna cry for you because you don't know how to hit the opposite <laughs> way like you're literally a major league baseball player like that like literally would be me going into my job and being like, well, I can step in front of the camera. I just can't always speak in complete sentences. It's like, no, like, I, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's part of your job. Like, you need to speak and be in front of the camera. You can't just do one thing. And if you're going to do that one thing, you better be elite of that one thing consistently. And it's just so hard to do that in baseball. There's only a select handful of players who can be of that, you know, that dimension and that's right like Mike Trout, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, Vlad Guerrero. I mean, the superstars will be that type that pepper the ball all the way. You know, uh we hope that Wander Franco is that guy. You know, we think he could be that guy. I'm still curious to see if he can hit if he can hit home runs like we believe he can. Um but in the end that's why I, you know, I love I love Wander so much because he just reminds me of like a modern day Tony Gwynn type 
where he doesn't strike out that much and he peppers the ball to all fields. And like, I think that has value. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, all of it's really, really interesting. And I think it'll, I, I think it'll add a lot of just, you know, intricacies within baseball coming up. And I think it's a, you know, it, it's a good thing, I think, or I, I, I hope it's a good thing that it'll cause more discussions, more debate. It'll allow for more just knowledge of the game to continue to be, um, you know, just, passed out amongst the masses i think that that's I, I think it creates a lot of uh just you know cool things moving forward but i don't know if there's i mean in terms of race stuff in terms of baseball stuff i don't know if there's much else to talk about right now other than like we're just all excited to have spring training games back i think it's a lot of fun um just for us to be able to attend games let alone watching new players come in watching you know these new rules you know start to play themselves out uh, so I, I think with that being said, I mean, you know, if there's anything else that I'm missing, then I'm pretty sure that pretty much wraps everything up. Um, I mean, is there anything else that I'm missing? Uh, unless Not. something came up on Twitter in the past 20 minutes. I don't think No, I think we covered it. The one other thing I just want to leave people with the nugget on is uh, I'm very curious to see how this team does this year. They, no pun intended, struck out on a lot of the hitters they wanted to bring in. They, I think, also felt a little bit of buyer's remorse um, by letting go of some players who have succeeded elsewhere. You think back to Jay Cronenworth. You think back to Nathaniel uh, Lowe. Guys who have succeeded in other places by getting increased playing time and uh, a little bit more patience. So I think the team is kind of committed to the fact of like, Let's not overreact to one season. Let's really try to build a larger sample size. We believe in these guys. Let's see what they can do. Um, and it, I, I understand fans who are going to be skeptical of this team's offense. I certainly remain a little bit skeptical uh, as well because I don't know where they're going to consistently get home runs from. Uh, home runs from, and uh, you know, am I still supposed to believe that? Brandon Lau's back issues are completely healed. Am I supposed to believe that Wander's power is going to show up? Am I supposed to believe that, you know, Jose Siri is not going to strike out every other at bat or that Isak Paredes can become a 30 home run guy? I mean, there's a lot of things that the Rays are kind of hoping for. And I think these players have the potential to do. Um, I We just have to see it. Um, you know, and, and a lot of the people who helped them score so many runs two years ago when I thought that they were a, a really big contender and losing to that to, to Boston in that series so quickly, you know, you, you think back to Nelson Cruz and, um, you know, Brandon Lau had 40-some-odd home runs that year. Uh, you had Mike, Mike Zanino. You had um, uh, Austin Meadows. I mean, you know, the, the, the pop kind of in that lineup to a degree had, uh, you've lost a good chunk of home runs. And, uh, you know, J Joey Wendell was on that team. You lost a good chunk of bodies from that team, and you haven't really replenished those bodies. So this Rays team was so dominant pitching-wise last year, and I believe they should be similar this year on that front. But uh, I think the biggest question, and I think the fairest question is, can this team hit? Can they hit consistently? Can they get runs across the board? And for me, in April, that's what I'm kind of I'm zoning in on. I, I need to 
truly believe this team can figure out a way to get runs across the board to help the pitching staff because it is a it is a shame that they were not like a 95 win team in the amount of instances that they would have won games by just scoring four or more runs if they just their record was unbelievable scoring more than three runs but they just couldn't do it so often and um they can hit four runs per game they're they are uh, as scary of a team in the american league and i i'm also well aware of the teams in the american league when saying that all right well i mean that that remains to be seen but i think it's going to be an exciting year regardless but um evan uh, i just you know uh, i think it's going to wrap things up but evan thank you so much for coming on we appreciate you coming on talking with us i know this won't be the last time that we'll have you on this year i'm sure that we'll talk to you more but um, you know, I wanted to make sure that we gave you the time to be able to not only plug what you have going on on social media, but also plug Tampa Bay 10. So where can people find you at and where can people find, um, you know, the sports department, everything else going on at Tampa Bay 10? Yeah, I mean, check me out on Twitter at Eklosky, WTSP. Uh, you know, I, I, if any, any of you reach out or, or tweet me, you know, 99.9% of the time I'm going to respond as long as you're respectful. <laughs> um, and then you know, obviously check out our website at 10tampabay.com beyond the Rays. Uh, you know, we're also locked in on Bucks off season right now. The Bolts are in a terrible slump and, uh, you know, there are 20 games left in the season before they hit, hit the playoffs. So we're kind of sorting through what the issues are there. You know, the Rowdies begin their season next Saturday, uh, you know, an entity of the Rays. So, you know, uh, Valspar begins in a couple weeks. So uh, the, the, the March Madness tournament you'll be able to watch on 10 Tampa Bay. So there's a lot going on. Uh, remember, just 10TampaBay.com, uh, WTSP.com, uh, at Ekloski on Twitter. And also, you can check out my Instagram, at Ekloski. So, uh, or at Ekloski WTSP on Twitter, at Ekloski on Instagram. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we got you covered on, on everything camp area sports, uh, not just the Rays, but obviously with the home opener nearing, we will ramp up that coverage towards the end of the month and, and really get you prepared and with the team at Tropicana Field, we also have some more opportunities to talk with the players, which which is going to be cool. All right. Well, we're we're really excited for, uh, for that. So, again, Evan, thank you so much for coming on. For everyone listening, thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of Raise the Roof. We appreciate all the support that you guys have given us. Make sure to follow all that we're doing um, on social media. Um, we're going to have a lot more stuff coming up, a lot of exciting things coming up this year. Um, so make sure that you're um, you know tuned in. Raise the Roof TV on social media to follow all that. And we'll have a lot more stuff coming out and as well make sure that you subscribe to the podcast leave us a good review and continue to follow and support what we're going on or what we have going on here so um again thanks for listening to this latest episode of raise the roof as always raise up